the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The Silent Seal. That will bring you the second portion of this message, the conclusion of this broadcast today. You can find it online at ReachingYourHeart.com. That's ReachingYourHeart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko, with the conclusion to The Silent Seal. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, we have four cats at our house. We've kind of taken them in as people have died or friends have needed us to care for their cats, and they kind of remain at our home. I went out this last weekend, just before I called Gabrielle on the phone, we were working through a a paper that had to be written, and I noticed this long scratch mark all the way across the top of the car. I mean, on the hood of the car. And I looked at it, it looked like a cat paw, and that means it was. I said, those cats. Then I remember they were our cats, part of our family. So here it was. But the cats on one side that had messed up the hood of my new car. And then I thought of the verse, and I, I shared it with Gabrielle on the phone, you know. Love not the world, nor the things of the world. The love of the world is in you, the love of the Father is not, that kind of thing. I thought to myself, boy, it's amazing how a new car can grab you. Well, it wasn't the end of the story. One scratch after another started appearing on this thing. So I got buffered to, to kind of buff them out. And finally... But I realized the more I tried to clean up the car, the worse it got. I finally settled down and said, you know what? I'm going to drive this thing the way it is. I'm done with it. Now, I thought I was secure in my decision until yesterday evening as I was striving to get home for the Sabbath. I'd taken my dog Smokey to someone for the weekend because I have to go for a wedding. And as I was driving back, I looked in the car seat and there were ink marks on the vinyl seat of the car. I go, oh, no, not again. And so as the sun was setting, I wanted to get the ink off so it wouldn't set into my seat, right? And I found myself struggling with the Sabbath rest. And when it was over, I had to get on my knees and say, Lord, forgive me. The pull of the world is such that I lost the transition into your rest because I wanted to fix everything on my own. Have you ever done that? Ever rushed to, to keep the Sabbath and didn't quite make it because you're trying to pull off the bookends? Okay, well, I was too. And when I was writing this sermon last night, I fell on my knees and I asked God to forgive me and help me to have the sense of the sound of silence. So I'm struggling with the same thing you are in life. I'm not speaking down to you. I'm speaking to you. We live in a time when it's hard to do what the Bible is saying. You can't obey God well unless there's a well you draw from that is deep, that Unless you respect the time God has set aside to listen to Him, sometimes we try so hard to prove ourselves to God that we miss the point that God has already proved Himself to us. 
God says, keep silence and hear, O Israel, this day you have become the people of the Lord your God. God says that every single Sabbath day. To find God in silence is to hear His voice and to embrace His grace that you belong to God in Jesus. Psalm 62.5, For God alone my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from Him. Friend, it's when you're quiet with God that you can have hope in God. The soul that's too busy to be silent is too busy to know God. The person that is afraid to be still in life is the person that is afraid to touch the face of God and live forever and have life. The book of Revelation teaches that there will be silence in heaven at the end of time. It is moving from the thunder and the cacophony to the silent seal. Now, why do we need silence in heaven anyway? I thought it was a happy place. It is. In the book of Revelation, heaven is a very noisy place full of music and praise. The word loud occurs in the book of Revelation 21 times in 21 verses. Three times seven we find it. Three is the number of God. Seven, the number for the week that ends in the Sabbath. All 21 times it refers to a sound that originates in heaven or belongs to heaven. In the book of Revelation, noise is the method God utilizes to get our attention, but the outcome, the destination, is silence. Elijah was the prophet of fire and wind who called on the name of God, and the storm brought forth. You know, he met there at Mount Carmel. It was a sacred test. He put 12 stones in place. It was the contest between Yahweh, the God of Israel, and Baal. And he said, Lord, bring down fire from heaven. Burn up my altar with all the water on it. And prove this day that you're God. And when it was over, the people were saying, Elijah, Elijah, which means in Hebrew, my God is Yahweh. My God is Yahweh. He was the prophet that was used to the loud voice. But before the chariot came down to take him to heaven, he needed to learn that God is not always in the noise. You hear him best when there is silence in the soul. Afraid of his fears and of the evil Jezebel who was out to get his life, he fled to Mount Sinai where God thundered and spoke His law to Moses centuries before. He was hoping for a little more fire to throw back at His enemies. He wanted God to speak to him and straighten things out with the voice of Sinai, the voice of thunder. But God didn't speak that way to Elijah. 1 Kings 19, verse 9. And there Elijah came to a cave, and he lodged there, very likely the same cave that Moses was in when he saw God's back, but not His face. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Has God's voice ever come to you saying the same thing? What are you doing where you're at? Why are you messing around with that course of life, with those decisions that wreck your life? What are you doing here, Sam, Sue, John? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. I've been serving God, but somehow I've lost God, is implied here. I I have been jealous for the Lord of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I even, I only am left. In the Hebrew, I'm a one-man remnant. I'm all there's left of Israel, and now they seek my life to take it away. When I'm gone, faith perishes from the earth. You see, he had a central view of himself that needed to be correct. He needed to realize he was not the center of God's universe he was at the center of his own universe, and he must expand for the need of others. Verse 11, and he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. God spoke to him. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... 
a still, small voice. That was the voice of God. You know, at the end, things get loud before they get quiet again. In Revelation eleven fifteen, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Look at Revelation twelve ten. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of His Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. Look at Revelation fourteen seven. He said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. For the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made heaven and earth to see in the fountains of water. Now look at Revelation 19, 1 as well. After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. I mean, in the noisy world in which we live, it is not natural for us to hear God and believe the gospel. I mean, so what does God do? Friends, the loud voice of God's word, the loud voice of the gospel, the loud voice of prophetic truth and intervention breaks in to our cacophony so we can be led to God to hear the silence of the soul. God doesn't whisper the good news to the world. He shouts it out because the ear is dull. It has grown into a failure where it cannot easily hear. He shouts it loud enough for people to stop and listen to His Word. Maybe you have heard it. I gave my son to die for you, God says, with a loud voice. There is an everlasting gospel with a loud voice. The hour of God's judgment has come with a loud voice. Do you hear me at the end of time? Or do you just want to play religion, play around with the Bible, but not come to God on your knees and surrender to God. A loud voice calls us back. Shouts it for years to hear until the day you do or the day you refuse to hear for the last time. There is a paradox in the book of Revelation for you to hear the sound of silence of the seventh seal. That is salvation's peace. That is Sabbath rest in Jesus. God tries to get your attention in life with heaven's noise in the first six seals so you will listen to Him who has that still, small voice which is the seventh seal. In the plan of God, the seven seals begin with a voice of thunder. And the seventh seal ends with the silence of the soul. Revelation 6, 1, the first seal. Now when I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, I heard one of the four living creatures say as with a voice of thunder, Come. Revelation 6, 3, the second seal. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Revelation 6, 5, the third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. Revelation 6, 7, the fourth seal. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, 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 four times. What does it mean in the seals? It means God is calling out to you in the cacophony of the care of your life to come to Jesus. It means the trouble of life is to wake you up in life so you will settle your soul into Christ. Now, many scholars believe that the invitation to come in the first four seals is simply an invitation for the four riders of the first four seals to start their journey. Come on out and start riding. Now, I think they're missing something here by this narrow analysis. This exact same expression is used at the end of the book of Revelation, linking these two scenes as one thought that is a theme within the book. Revelation twenty-two seventeen, The Spirit and the Bride say what? What does it say in your Bible? Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is thirsty 
come. And let the one who desires to take the water of life without price implied come. The first four seals are an invitation to come to God and live. The judgments in the first six seals are heaven's intervention to help us stop, look, and listen to God, to be mindful of His Word, to obey His law, but to rest in Jesus more profoundly. And to find the one who cares for us at the end of time with a heart's response to the call that says yes. Friend, the call to come is the call to God's grace. It's not a call to disgrace. It's not a call to lose face at the end of time. It's a call to God's grace in Jesus. At the end, there will be a noise and a restlessness in the world. It will be hard for people to listen to God and follow God. The first and the third angel's messages of Revelation 14 are given to the world with a loud voice. And they prepare the world for the coming of Jesus Christ. The first angel announces the everlasting gospel in the context of God's judgment. Revelation 14, 6. Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, representing a message to the world with an everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. What does that mean? I mean, it means the same thing as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. No commentary needed. That's the apostolic gospel. And friend, the apostolic gospel will be the end time gospel. What was taught in the first three centuries that changed the world, that transformed culture, that brought men and women from heathenism and paganism to Christ will bring the truth of Christ to the darkest nook and cranny of this world. No end time generation can improve upon, can transform, can add to the apostolic gospel. Now look at verse 7. He said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. Now what does that mean? Deuteronomy 10, 12, The fear of the Lord is to love the Lord your God. With all your heart and all your soul and might is to keep His commandments, to walk in all His ways. I mean, it's not talking about terror here. It's talking about obedience based on faith and love because Christ died for you. He said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of water. Just before Jesus returns, we are living in the judgment hour of human history. The Bible is very clear on this matter. The third angel of Revelation 14.9 warns the world of the mark of the beast with a loud voice. In Revelation 14.11, it says, The worshipers of the beast have no rest day or night because they worship the world instead of Jesus. The cacophony and cares of life have taken over the silence of the soul. They have set aside God's Ten Commandment law by neglect, by failure to worship, by failure to come and bow down. And they do not have the faith of Jesus that brings peace to the heart. Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest. And the Greek word is the Greek Old Testament word Sabbath rest. Day or night, these worshipers of the beast in its image whoever receives the mark of his name. Now, is the Bible here talking about obedience? Absolutely. Look at verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, the harlot Babylon rides the beast and she is noisy. She is a place of cacophony. She has a den of music and loudness that prevents the heart from hearing the word of God. And the world can't rest because the harlot Babylon is an end-time religious system that will never be the bride of Christ. She will not go to the marriage supper of the Lamb because she's at home in the world 
in the desert, doesn't want to go to the promised land, riding the beast that symbolizes the world kingdom system. She has an end-time religious system that produces demonic noise that makes it hard for the ear to hear the voice of God and to be saved by following the word of God. God's judgment on Babylon falls in the fifth, sixth, and seventh plagues. In the fifth plague, there is darkness over the capital or throne of the beast, which is the great city of end-time Babylon. In the sixth plague, the river Euphrates is dried up, which symbolizes the collapsing support of the people of the earth for end-time Babylon. In the seventh plague, the great city Babylon is split into three parts, and it falls just before Jesus returns. Now, in Revelation 1-7, the Bible describes the return of Jesus as a global event that will reduce the nations of the earth to tears because they have missed eternity for the loud stuff that distracts the heart and the world. John says, Revelation 1-7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, everyone who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, amen. I don't want to be one of the wailers. What about you? I want it to be well with my soul. I don't want to be one of the wailers. Now, Revelation 18, the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth mourn. They wail because the great city that was so full of spiritual and religious activity that affected the economies of the earth has fallen at last. As the sign of the Son of Man appears in the clouds, the merchants of the earth and the kings of the earth mourn because Babylon has fallen. The smoke of her destruction ascends and they wail because Jesus is coming. The fall of end time Babylon brings the sound of silence. Revelation 18.21 Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So shall Babylon the great be thrown down with violence and shall be found no more. And the sound of harpers and minstrels, of flute players and trumpeters shall be heard in thee no more. And a craftsman in any craft shall be found in thee no more. And the sound of the millstone shall be heard in thee no more. The cacophony of end-time Babylon, of end-time religion without Jesus in the Bible, will end in the sound of silence. Now, why is there a half-hour silence, not an hour or a day or a week at the end? Let's ask ourselves this question. Why the half-hour silence in the seventh seal? A half-hour would indicate that this time period is precise because it is measured time. So we're not dealing with something here that is amorphous. A half an hour is a precise measurement of time. Now, in the books of Daniel Revelation, the Bible uses the year-for-day principle consistently for time. The year-for-day principle is the truth that one prophetic day, which is one 24-hour period, is symbolic of one literal solar year. So a day for a year. Time prophecy is based on a lunar calendar instead of a solar calendar. That's very clear in the Bible because we have the 1260 days, which are 1260 years. They're actually a composite of lunar cycles. It doesn't match out or work if you use a 365-day year. The Bible uses a lunar month and a lunar year in symbolic time prophecy. That's pretty clearly understood. Now, in Revelation 12, 1260 days, there's three and a half lunar years. It's described as three and a half times, a time, times, and dividing of times. In the book of Revelation, one lunar year is represented by 360 literal days. So a prophetic year is 360 days. An hour is one a fraction of a day. One 24th of a day, right? A half hour is what portion of a day? 148th of a day. And that's what we have in the seventh seal. 
Now, what is the value of a half hour using the year-for-day principle? Let's figure it out. 360 divided by 48 is the answer. What do we come up with? 7.5 days. Using the year-for-day principle, half-hour silence is a little over seven days, almost eight days. Now, this is no accident. The saved in Revelation 7 are standing before God's throne with palm branches in their hands, singing hallelujahs to God. This comes from the ancient feasts of Israel. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus 23, there was an eight-day feast in which God's people would wave those palm branches before God to celebrate their entrance into the Promised Land. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles. For eight days before God, they waved the palm branches and they rejoiced before God. The Feast of Tabernacles, friends, represents the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Feast of Tabernacles was the celebration at the end of the year in the fall, just before the winter. It was the big party that was the celebration that Israel's wandering in the desert was over. It is now time to settle into the promised land. It was the great rejoicing that God had led them home all the way to His throne to Mount Zion. There is silence in heaven for almost eight days because heaven is empty at the second coming. God is not up there with His throne. The angels aren't seen there anymore. There are no four beasts up there. Friend, the Father is coming for the prodigal son. He's coming here. The throne of God is coming here. Revelation 6 says that Christ will be at the right hand of God. They'll be coming here together. And there won't be anyone left up there for a half an hour, almost eight days. Everyone in heaven will come with Jesus and the Father to resurrect His people, to save those who are alive in Jesus at the end. There will be a half hour silence up there because all of heaven is here. Friend, before the throne there is a sea of glass and there is rest. There is the silent seal, the seal of the living God. And the seventh seal is the Sabbath seal because God will finish His work in your life and mine. There will be rest in Jesus forever. John writes in Revelation seven seventeen, For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In Revelation 8.1, when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. The noise created by heaven in the six seals is the noise of heaven that creates the call to come home to God. The call of God comes to every broken heart from the distant future into the present. It is the voice of God calling out individually for you to come home. If you surrender to the God of creation, you can even now hear His voice calling out to you to experience the Sabbath pause that is Jesus' rest. Come unto me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Is the call to find the peace of heaven and hear what is the message of the seal. If your heart is overcome with noise and fear, friend, there is a calm and there is a rest in the heart of God, in the heart of Christ. If your life is loud and you cannot stand the clang and clatter of the modern madness, the sound of the millstone of ancient Babylon and end-time Babylon, the grind of life, there is a lamb who is a shepherd who leads the soul to quiet and still waters in life. Christ will lead you to calm, quiet springs of living water. And God himself will wipe away every tear from your eye. The seventh seal is the silent seal because there is a calm tomorrow 
There is a quiet rest to take the place of the loud cacophony of the end time millstone. Silence, the seventh seal, speaks of eternal Sabbath rest in Jesus. Friend, to have the seal of the living God means to rest in Jesus, to be still and know that he is God. The call of the seventh seal can be heard in the ear that pauses to listen even now. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed today's broadcast, remember that there are many more of these sermons available for you at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast, or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon, and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts, and you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism, in a variety of forms, is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world, and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books, and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment, even, and we have this free book to help you understand things a little bit better entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.